Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Fanick, and I am sitting right next to my two besties, Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. We are live in person recording yes. this episode. Live from the Hollywood Hills yes. at the Jensen compound. Live. Dracula himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, we are thankful for this, and this is a thankful episode. Yes, this this is going to be a different kind of episode. We're not covering one case. We're going to be going to be talking about a bunch of things that have happened this year in the true crime world that we are thankful about. Right, positive developments. It is such a kind of sad genre in general. I mean, we're talking about a lot of pain, but there are hopeful moments. We're talking cracked cold cases. We're talking, you know indictments that are deserved mm-hmm. we're talking judgments that are due all sorts of things so we're excited to delve into this with you guys today yes before we do that we need to talk about our merch drop Ooh, Ooh the merch drop that video is something else yeah yes. so we <laughs> just dropped our holiday merch drop it's two amazing sweatshirts it's on our website right now you can go to the first degree podcast and click shop and it will direct you to our merch website and we did an instagram live for it on sunday night not Instagram, a Facebook, Facebook live, live in the Facebook group. And it was a doozy. It sure it, was. It was. And of course, I was a little uninhibited and I didn't remember that <laughs> those live forever. They, once you put they, them. Post, they post directly to Facebook. They post right directly after. to Facebook. And it's, yes, it's it's not like it's it's going to go out into the ether. So no. uh, yeah, so there's there was dancing involved. There is dancing. As there's, we're wearing these, these very sweatshirts. There's so. Christmas music. There were some high kicks. Honestly, uh, I was, I was uh, praised for my finger snaps, which I thought I were also good. Billy did that dance that you like. The, yes. the hand on the stomach. And which like, I literally have hand. never done that before. Because I made you do it and I, I demonstrated. Know. I don't even know. Your inhibitions were lowered. I'm not <laughs> sure what song we were even doing that to, but yeah. I think that everybody enjoyed it. Everybody seemed to enjoy it. A lot of people took screen grabs of it. Yes. And um, we were wearing the two uh, very special limited edition sweatshirts. Yes. Which say True Come and Chill and Tis the Season for Mistletoe and Murder Podcast. Yes. yes. So we're just going to talk through these really quick because. I want you to go to the website, but if you haven't done it yet, I'm going to describe it to you to maybe push you that way. So I designed them both, obviously. Um, I do all the merch for every project that I have. It's just nonstop. But the first sweatshirt, True Crime and Chill. Yes. Let's, Alexis, you talk about it. True Crime and Chill, it's like a dusty blue. In the words, True Crime and Chill are kind of iced. They've got like They're icicles snow-capped and snow snowcapped. They're snowcapped. Yes. And I love it. It's like a muted faded navy is the best way I know to play it. A little like a splash of maybe periwinkle. It's like a dusty blue, very pretty color. Uh, I love it. I, me and Jack ordered them in extra large because we like a nice, we like to swim in our sweatshirts. Yeah. And I wore it to Target and people yelled podcast recommendations at me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so many people stopped me and said how much they loved it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, it's nice and ambiguous. It doesn't matter what holiday you yes. celebrate. Everyone knows that there's a true crime and chill in the winter. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's very, it's just, it's a winter sweatshirt. Yes, yes, exactly. And that also the, uh, on both of the sweatshirts, the lettering is puffy. Yeah, we, I love, I've it's been into raised. this puff print, yeah. which by the way, uh, it's becoming scarce. It's also in the whole um, supply uh, chain supply issue. Chain. chain. It's stuck on a boat, probably in the Long Beach Harbor. Oh, it's for sure in a cr- crater. Print, yeah, whatever they put in the ink to make it puffy. It's it's a very it's a, a big shortage. So <laughs> you guys might be getting a couple of the last sweatshirts ever made with puff pr- puff print ink. That's right. <laughs> So our other sweatshirt, it's bright green. It's it's my idea of a ugly Christmas sweater. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to like a really, you know, fancy holiday party and you're supposed to wear an ugly Christmas sweater, this is the one for you because you're going to find your other 
murder podcast loving friends Uh wherever you go it says tis the season for mistletoe and murder it has a santa with a knife murder podcasts murder podcasts and something i learned mistletoe is a pair like a parasite plant Mm. did you guys know no what i thought was ironic it's apparently like not good for the plant for the tree it's like a parasite it Mm. like kills it's a parasitic plant Interesting. Which I thought was fascinating because like we all are like, let's make out under it. But it's like, why? Why? What yeah. message are we sending to the ethers? Yeah. I was also thinking about that. I need to look up the history of mistletoe because I feel like it's probably fucked up in some way or another. Oh, yeah. Of course it is. Like of everything is. else. Yeah. In That's life. right. Like Ring Around the Rosie, that song. <laughs> like every nursery rhyme, like, which we did have a killing time let's about. Let's make our children sing it and like laugh at the dark nature of that. Yeah. The Black Plague. Ugh. Um, anyways, so that's our merch drop. Go check it out. The first degree podcast.com click on shop and everything's limited edition. Uh, we're not making any more because I'm definitely not going to reprint a ugly Christmas sweater in March. When they're gone, they're gone. And the puffy print is gone. (laughs) So go grab them. Sizes are selling out and send us your pics. Once you start getting them in the mail, they should be shipping very, very soon. Yes. Post and tag. Absolutely. All right, Billy. Well, what day is it today? Today is November 24th. Now. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Yep. It is commonly known as the biggest party day of the year. Yeah, absolutely. It's when everybody has come back from college. They're with their old friends. You In New York, you would always go into the city. And it is on our site, which we always check, checkiday.com. Yep. It's Blackout Wednesday is what they call it. Blackout Wednesday. <laughs> mm, I won't be blocking out. I need to have I need to have like my mental stamina nice and robust before I do the family hangs. Uh, like I can't be hungover under those circumstances. Oh. The hangover is for Friday after you've numbed yes. yourself all of Thanksgiving. That is true. But it, it's also on November 24th is D.B. Cooper Day. Fascinating. D.B. Cooper, actually, he hijacked the plane on November 24th, which is one of the biggest unsolved mysteries in American crime history. Oh. Yeah, D.B. Yes. Cooper is pretty interesting. Didn't you uh, do a TV show about I that, did a TV really? show oh, you did? about that. Yes. What's it called? It's called D.B. Cooper Case Closed. Except <laughs> not. Question. Actually, actually, you know what? The case is closed because we the FBI was so upset and so like tired of having to deal with They said, after this production, we're shipping all of the, the stuff to Washington and putting it in a crate and we'll only answer the phone or follow a lead if, if the person has one of two things, which is the money mm. or the parachute. That's it. So oh. we, we kind of did close the case in a sense because... Mm. Case solved. Good job, Billy. <laughs> I mean, that's subjective. That's like a loophole, but if you want to cling to that, go for it. Yeah. But I, but I, I will, love that for you. I Me will too. say this, and this didn't make it into the, into the, uh, the special, but... You know, D.B. Cooper didn't sign. That was a mess up. He signed his name as Dan Cooper. Mm -hmm. Dan Cooper is actually a um, French uh, comic book, and he's a guy that jumps out of airplanes. Oh, interesting. So I really think that Dan Cooper is somebody like maybe French Canadian or something like that. But they wouldn't. They didn't put that in there. But yeah, I do think that was. And if you want to watch Billy's show, he's got bangs during the show. Bangs, so you can catch him still having bangs. The shoot took so long; it was in between when I had bangs and then when I got the no no bangs. When Crime Watch Daily said, "If you want to be on TV uh, anymore, you can't have bangs." I love how like you just voluntarily (laughs) wanted bangs. Like you, that was like man gets a bang. Did you? Would you say to the barber, "Who are you? Were you like trying to be like?" It was very Brit Matchbox poppy. Matchbox 20. It you were trying very, to be the Matchbox 20 guy. I did look guy. like Rob the Matchbox 20, 20 guy. You were trying yeah. to be Rob Thomas. No, but I, I, it was very like Brit pop Oasis type of thing that I was doing. I get it. <laughs> no, but there's, it's just a bang. Like men don't usually have bangs. No, and I had the bang. And it was very, it, when you, when I got rid of the bangs, because I hadn't done that before, it was, you felt a little naked. You know, your forehead was very exposed. Yeah, but you have mm-hmm. a good forehead and a good Thank hairline, you. so... Don't be trying Thank to cover you. it up with a comb over bang. <laughs> what other days are there, Billy? You missed oh. the other ones. Like, well, for example, National Use If Seal Is Broken Day. I think this is a bad idea. That's right. Like, it surely seal is. is broken. That's, that's, a seal is, is for tamper-proofing. Why are we going to go, yes. go forth and use it anyway? That's the opposite of what you should do. Like, yeah, they made seals so people could not poison people. Tylenol. Like tylenol. the Tylenol murders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's an, an interesting day. Yes. It's also National Jukebox Day. What's the best song that you put on a jukebox? What's your go-to song when you go to jukebox? Eagle Eye Cherry Save Tonight. Ooh. God. That's always. Inter- I always try to do Bohemian Rhapsody. It's my song for everything. Mm-hmm. I also like Living on a Prayer, Bon Jovi. I also try to find 
the emo songs. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then like just did this last weekend when we were in Palm Springs for a friend's birthday. We went to this shitty Wedding. dive bar. She was getting married. It wasn't her birthday. Or whatever. <laughs> we went to this shitty dive bar with a bunch of bros and I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put on Taking Back Sunday. Ooh, that's good. And half the bar left. I feel like well, that's always good. You clear yeah. those people yeah. right out I in was this like, COVID time. You're not my person yep. anyways. No. Yeah. Put uh, uh, put um, that Barbie Girl song on. Aqua uh, Barbie put Girl. On, put that on so repeat good. maybe five or six times. You can clear out a bar. Um, also, what we were dancing to, like, was it Pat Benatar? Like, like Total Clips of the Heart. It was something like that. Total Clips of the Heart is Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler. But, like, there was something we were listening to that was in that vein that also felt really good. That felt like a good jukebox song. Mm. But I can't remember. I don't okay. know. Jukebox. Oh, I love a jukebox. By the way, my great. song, if it's a dive bar, I do a Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty. You like a big saxophone? (laughs) (laughs) He's a sax guy. Okay. Um, Okay. Well, I think that... Wait, let me make sure Billy didn't miss any any holidays. No, no. National Sardine Day. Yeah. Nice and salty. All right. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. (laughs) And turn up your anxiety. And get thankful for this shit. Because this could be you. Yeah. Okay, so like Alexis said, we obviously work in a very bleak, dark world yes. of true crime. So it was actually kind of, um, uh, what's the right word that I'm looking for? It made me feel good to actually look for these positive advancements that we found this year. Because yes. it's very easy to kind of get stuck in the nitty gritty, all of the negative things that are happening, that there are a lot of amazing things that are happening in this world as well. Yeah, people care. So people are like carrying the people, torch forward. People give a fuck. There's some tenacity, which is really impressive. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is I believe it is the oldest cold case that's ever been solved. And this happened last week. So there was a 62-year-old cold case solved. And it was this girl named Candy Rogers. She went by the campfire girl. That was like kind of her name that everybody knew her by. And it said police in eastern Washington said that they have solved the 62-year-old cold case murder of a nine-year-old campfire girl who disappeared while selling chocolates. And it's one of the oldest cold cases in history. And a campfire girl is sort of like Girl Scouts, Mm -hmm. is my understanding, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. So she disappeared on March 6th of 1959. Her body was found two weeks later by an abandoned rock quarry in the same area. And the Spokane Police Department used a mix of high-tech DNA analysis and old-fashioned detective work that included exhuming a body to name John Ray Hoff as her killer. He was 19 years old when he abducted, raped, and strangled Candace Candy Elaine Rogers in 1959. So police used this laboratory in Texas called Othram and Billy yes. said that this place is like th- the place. This place is crushing it. Um, we've we've worked with them on Murder Squad. We've we've uh, they they accept donations. They do crowdfunding as well. And uh, David Middleman is a guy that is that is that runs it. They are just they had so many successes. You know because we saw after Golden State Killer we saw it kind of explode and that was because. Um, people already had their DNA in the databases in certain right. certain databases, right? And the, the, it was already running. So we saw that, but then we saw a lull, but it's picking up again now, which is great. And Othram well, is really spearheading it. What was the lull from? You know, the lull, and one of the lulls was from because GEDmatch changed their policy because GEDmatch mm. said that you had to opt in as so opposed to... So it opted to, everybody out it opted, and it was yeah. like, oh. what, 50%? And a lot it's of people didn't that, know yeah. they were opted out even though they were willing to have their... Um, so wait, you would put your stuff because you had to physically put your stuff into Match. Then their policies changed, and then you had to re-say that you wanted your stuff. Yes, in there. and a lot oh, of people didn't know they had just done it the once, and they're like, "Oh, it automatically did it." A lot of people didn't know that they had to re-opt in, so it right. really uh, made a dent in like the information available to law enforcement. Yeah, it was bad. I, I mean, I, I think there were there were ways around it. Um, that they were using, but yeah, it was not good. Well, I see why they did it though. It's like they had to do it or risk losing the entire thing, you know, because otherwise like people who are 
protective of what is mm-hmm. perceived like, you know, privacy rights and things like that. They could have, yeah. Well, the reason why they did it was because it turned out that somebody used it for a case that was not a murder or a sexual assault. What was it? Yeah, I think it was a burglary or it was a robbery, I think. And it turned out, I think the person that they found might have been a minor. Oh. So that's when everybody got up in arms. And, and it's kind of, they're kind of an old school place. If you go on Jedmatch, I've got my stuff up on there, but you can tell it's like, it's old school. It's like, it's right. not, it's not like cutting edge technology, but it still works, you know, and that's the reason why we've been able to solve so many of these and it's still the biggest, but you've also right. have family tree, you have a bunch of other ones. So. so they basically said in this case that the whole thing wouldn't have been solved because the guy, his name was John Ray Hoff. His name was nowhere in the list of suspects. So he was just a random, random yep. guy that they would have never connected to the case. So thank God for that. And this case was finally solved after 62 years. And we keep saying that in these cases, like oftentimes these people aren't on the list. Like and yeah. it's these stranger mm-hmm. homicides that are so difficult to solve because mm-hmm. it's very hard to investigate without like, without evidence you can process and, yeah. you know, make comparisons. Against. You know, and the fact that this happened in 1959 and this was a campfire girl, just think about when you were a boy scout or a girl scout or, or whatever, going door to door and trying to sell stuff, trying to sell stuff for your yeah. school. You know, it's not like this put a stop to all of that. And people, kids would still get killed. You know, I work cases where, where, where a kid, you know, was selling um, wrapping paper door to door and then oh, another absolutely. kid took him and killed him. You know, I'm it just still amazed. happens. I'm just amazed that the police back then had the wherewithal to save like a semen sample. I know. Not, no, DNA was decades away. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it's just like, imagine being like, this could be useful. No, that's a really, <laughs> it's a really good point. Props to the to the police for not and then the next generation the next generation the next generation for actually yeah. saving it because so often and we saw this in GSK and Golden State Killer they were like we're going to throw this stuff away for the East Area Rapist stuff remember that insane they, they well after yeah. the statute expired they're like we can't yeah. prosecute what's yeah, the so purpose like, of it we're going to throw this away well, they didn't know that there was a serial killer attached yeah. to it yet yeah. obviously right. hindsight's twenty twenty. right um, but I think it's really nice like as as evil and as dark as the f- as the idea that there was a, a man who killed a nine-year-old, you see this balance in life, not to be all Zen, but like you see this balance with like the tenacity of people to not give up after that long, yeah. 60 years. It's insane. It's yeah. just amazing. Um, and really, you know, makes you feel like maybe good does that way. Yeah. Evil. Yeah. No, because props to, to law enforcement for pressing it and getting answers. Um, they didn't. They don't have to. They should, but they don't have to do this. And you Absolutely. often see they just won't do it because it doesn't affect numbers. Like no one's going to get, no one's going to get reelected or not reelected based on a, a case from 1959. Right. And that's often what is the driving force behind so many of these Everyone's decisions. Everyone's trying to hit quotas. Yep. That's right. All right. So, Lex, what are you grateful for in the world of true crime for this year? What am I grateful for? Okay, this is something I'm really excited about. So, I don't know if. Any of you watch The Jinx? It's my favorite true crime documentary of all time. Of course. I don't know. Every once in a while, I get surprised that, like, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the Gen Zs haven't seen it, but it truly is. It's the best true docu- crime documentary. It's, it's why ever. I wanted to do true crime documentaries. Yeah. Like, I, I strive to do something as good as this. Yes. Uh, so, luckily, you know, I know in the doc, or if you don't know, Robert Durst was long suspected of murdering his wife. Kathy McCormick Durst in 1982. They basically had an argument and she just vanished. And after Kathy vanished, basically the police looked for her and it was like, "Mm, we don't know. And Mm. Durst came up with every excuse under the sun why she would be gone. But because there was no body ever found, it was very difficult for people to charge Robert Durst with this. Another thing too is when they were putting this timeline together, somebody called who claimed to be Kathy who claimed to be staying home sick. And this phone call is key because if you've been following Robert Durst at all, we know that he was just convicted of murdering his friend, Susan Berman, who lives in Los Angeles. Yeah. Now, Susan Berman has always been thought to have been the one to make this alibi call. And the police were like pestering her because they were investigating Kathy's murder. And Robert Durst started feeling as though Susan Berman was going to tell what she had done to cover for him. Yeah. Because it was also revealed that she was asking him for money and there were all these checks to her, 10,000 10, here, 10,000 there. It's believed that perhaps she was extorting him, but it's hard to say. Either way, he's just been convicted of Berman's and now newly indicted by a Westchester County uh, court for second degree murder of his wife, Kathy, which is a huge, 
victory because uh-huh. everybody you know we all see these documentaries like they're suspected but couldn't prove it like everyone yeah. knows he did this shit yeah because if you guys remember he also after kathy vanished he was living uh god i don't remember what state maybe louisiana it was Louis- yeah i believe it and was, he yeah. was he murdered he murdered his neighbor, yeah. but got off yeah. scot-free as a self-defense claim, even though his body was found dismembered floating in some water. Yeah. Yeah. But he was a millionaire real estate heir from Manhattan, a really powerful family. So he was able to get off. Mm-hmm. Either way, I'm super stoked. He was finally, finally indicted for this. He's probably one of the closest things to a, a supervillain in a I mean. docu-series that you'll ever see. And one of the things that... <laughs> You know, Lex, you say that that's the reason why you want to you want to do this. Mm-hmm. We, I can't tell you how many times that you would go in and meet with networks and they're like, "We want the jinx. Yeah. We want the next jinx." And meanwhile, like those guys followed him around for five years, and it's like he's a supervillain. It's like he was and created by from DC Comics. And they yeah. also didn't go about like it's not like that was scripted in their script where it's like, and then at the very end, if we're <laughs> going to come out with this thing, it's like that was the craziest chain of events to lead to the ending of that documentary. But Robert Durst is literally the most terrifying person in the world. He has those black psychopathic eyes, soul of nothing. Yes. His strange, strange way of speaking. Yeah, weird cadence. It's so, so odd. And and something I want to point out, I mean, we talk about Durst a lot, but Kathy McCormick Durst was only 29 years old. She was a medical student and she was just months away from graduating and being an official doctor, which was always her dream. So it's super important to remember her, I mean, taken so young and this fucking psychopath got away with it for quite a while. And, you know, Susan Berman, who knows if she knew why she was giving this alibi. It's, it's hard to say, but I think she pieced it together later. And that was probably like why she was going to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, right now, Robert Durst is in really bad shape. He's suffering from bladder cancer. They tried to have the trial postponed indefinitely. The judge said no. And now he's on a ventilator battling COVID-19. Right now? Right now. Holy shit. I didn't well, know as that. of November 1st, he was on a ventilator. Wow. So it's hard to say exactly. And we won't know exactly about his medical state at any given time because of HIPAA stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's only if the lawyer shares that. But uh, yeah, I mean, huge thing to be thankful for. Fuck you, Durst. The good you, always Durst. prevails. So one of the cases that I'm thankful for that has finally gotten some answers is the disappearance and murder of Kristen Smart. Now, Kristen went to Cal Poly. She was going, it was towards the end of the year. She was going on a, uh, she went to an off-campus party. She had a little bit too much to drink. She was actually found out, uh, found passed out on the lawn and her friends took her home, but they didn't take her sort of all the way. And then there was another dude there named Paul Flores who kind of joined up with the group and said, I'll take her back to her dorm. And she was never heard from since. Now, one of the things with this case is that uh, she went to Cal Poly. When my daughter first went to Cal Poly, she was living in the dorm right behind where that happened. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So, um, And they actually had started, they, they did a search for her up in Cal Poly's right next to sort of like this big giant hill. And I told her the story about it, about don't walk home and you know, all, the, all this stuff. And then we actually went and saw like where they had done the search. Like you could see like where the, the heavy equipment was. It looked like they were, you know, everybody was looking at this guy named Paul Flores. What's going on here? What is this guy doing? Thankfully, um, you know, the family actually would put up billboards right outside of their house mm-hmm. saying what happened to Kristen Smart. They really were. But the, this guy was still a total piece of shit. On April 13th, uh, 2021, Paul Flores and his father, Ruben Flores, were arrested for her disappearance because investigators searched the home and found uh, many um, items of interest. We think they might have uh, buried her in one of, one of the houses and then moved her to, to another part. One of the things that was happening is that there was a podcast that, um, uh, that was going, which was called... Your Own Backyard. Your Own Backyard. And... It was good. Yeah, it was really good. Really we, good. Me and we listened Lex, to it when we were on the road. Me and Max, Lex listened to it when we were going from like Kansas City to St. Louis. We were I like think. driving around. We were, we were, parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and it was it just shows that they, these podcasts can actually affect change. And uh, yeah. it, it was it's just great. And this was a guy that never had any journalism experience. He's a sound guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Never did any journalism journalism at all. Wow. And uh, he just went and did this uh, did this great uh, podcast. Really nailed it. And got some answers because a lot of times that's what it takes is just to get loud and that's what happens. So I think that, I mean, that's such a cool um, note that 
all of our listeners should take from that because it's like, you don't have to have any background in podcasting. You don't have to have any background in anything. And if you care about something so much, you could possibly solve a murder and you could create this massive change if you're that passionate about something. Mm -hmm. People ask us all the time. I get messages a lot like, hey, like I'm starting this podcast. I'm like, just do it. it. You never know. And listen, like we just started ours. We didn't have audio experience. We just started it. And obviously like we hit some bumps along the way as far as like our tech and shit but like it evolves over time and like practice makes perfect and if you yeah. don't fucking start you'll never do it yes yeah, so but starting right. is so hard well, yeah, you, you gotta push yourself to do it you have to know too like what billy was saying it's like that guy got loud and uh like thankfully people started listening to his podcast and getting loud and amplifying that mm-hmm. but like you just never know and if there's something that you that you're like researching online and you're like, I wish I could do something with this. Mm-hmm. Just fucking do it. Yeah, the thing I always tell people is that look for cases in your area, something that nobody's covered before. We mm-hmm. don't need another podcast about John Bonet or anything. No. You know, it's like those are covered. People are doing those. But there's so many cases. Think about it. There's 5,000 unsolved murders every year. There's about 220 now, 1,000, you know, since 1980. Find one of those cases and then just work it to dust. And, like, look up some indigenous cases. I mean, the same thing with pain. Like, it's really awesome what he's doing with the latest season of his podcast, too, mm-hmm. where a lot of these cases that don't get talked about. Yeah. Right. And pain, when he started with um, Tara Grinstead, he's like, I wanted something in my area, you know? And what Billy's saying is true. Is like, if you're doing this as a side passion project and you've got a full-time job, you've got a kid, who, you yeah. know, you got to do it in your neighborhood. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to go knock on a door or talk to somebody, don't... You- Daunt yourself by putting it in a state five five states away. Like you got to make also, it as easy yeah. on yourself as possible. Also, if it's a case that happened before you know uh, two thousand five or something like that, you're going to want to go to the library and look up you know uh, mm-hmm. the, the archives and the microfiche Newspaper. and all that that stuff. So yeah, not to mention like the location of every story is also a character, and mm-hmm. you being yeah. immersed in that and understanding it is also key. Mm-hmm. And it's you have a, a leg up over a journalist who has no fucking idea about the area. Yes. So like, give yourself every leg up you can, and do something you know for your own community. Give your give your police department a hand. Yep. Yep. You know, so or, we encourage you to do that, or yeah. take on your police department, or take on your police department. Oh yes. But don't be living there when you do that, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> because that could you know. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay. Well, right. uh, when we come back, we're going to get into more things we're thankful about. Hella thanks. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop, or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways, and with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences, and before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun. FX's new international spy thriller The Veil starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge. Inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, 
that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree 50 and use code degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree 50 at factorymeals.com slash degree 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on the realreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. We are back and ready to discuss more of the things we are thankful for. Now, this is sort of a different slant on this. Normally, we're happy something's solved. We're happy the innocent are exonerated. Um, We're going to pivot a little bit and discuss our, at least my, sweet, sweet joy for the fact that Alex Jones (laughs) has been found liable in um, a couple, by this point, Sandy Hook defamation suits. So there's a few things to unpack first and foremost. If you don't know who Alex Jones is, you're lucky. He's a conspiracy theorist. He's a podcast radio host. And he hosts this show called InfoWars. And he has the craziest, most annoying voice in the entire world. So if you've never heard that screechy voice in your ears, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And I'm curious, Billy, maybe you know this. What did he like build his career on? Like, wh- Did he have like a groundbreaking conspiracy theory that he's like became known for? Like, I don't understand... How he became. He did became, become quite popular when he snuck into Bohemian Grove. Oh, that was him. That was like a big thing that kind of like catapulted him. Yes, yeah, too bad he didn't do something fucking useful with it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, the, the reason why we're happy that Alex Jones has been found liable is that he basically clung to a very, uh, a conspiracy theory about the Sandy Hook mass murder. Yeah. And basically claimed that the 20 children and six adults that had died in this awful fucking devastating tragedy were basically government. It was a whole, uh, it was a government orchestrated hoax. And he claimed that it was staged by the government and they were using crisis actors in order to take guns away from citizens. So fucking insane. And tried to use it as like a rhetoric for like anti, anti left sort of uh, Mm -hmm. a device in that way. And my problem with this is that I've seen this stuff online on Reddit. It's just like, Oh look, here's one of the victims and here they are at a baseball game, like yeah. finding someone across the country who looks kind of like them. I mean, yeah. how fucking offensive is this to the victims? I, it's, I, it's And the victims' families. I, I can't even go there. Dude, I, I they're can't. like chil- yeah. baby children, less than 10 years old, second graders, right? And that's what is happening to them after the loss they've already suffered, after the trauma of losing your child, not just losing your child, but in but to murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one such couple who was suing Alex Jones discussed that because Jones incited his fans and listeners to like basically like taunt, stalk, harass them, they had to move seven times. They finally had to move out of state, which was away from their support system, yeah. costing them endless amounts of money, additional pain and suffering. And uh, it's really just deplorable, disgusting behavior. And the people following Alex Jones are just as bad. But at least... The judge finding him liable, like in these cases of defamation, you can't just say whatever the fuck you want and destroy people's lives mm-hmm. and get away with it. So mm-hmm. it's unclear at this point how much he will be liable for because yeah. these are civil cases. Um, but I'm sure it is not going to be cheap. And he's already been found guilty of three of them. And I think 
nine parents of the 20 victims have filed suit against him. Yeah. Now, this guy, he started with, uh, he was doing stuff about um, Waco and the Branch Davidians and like sort of like. I mean, he's the, always the, been like so fucking controversial in like every single thing that he's mm-hmm. Just contrarian yeah, uh, more contrarian. than anything. Uh, you know, 9-11 conspiracy theories. Um, just anything that would get him uh, attention. attention. Yeah. He's just an awful, awful human being. Right. And so when he was disposed to explain himself, I, this blew my mind. He basically said that it was psychosis that led him to make these claims and theorize mm. and was like, you know, I just never believe the news. And he basically like feigned a mental illness and said he was under psychosis and that's excuses this behavior. I'm glad the Likely judge didn't buy it. Fucking story. Yeah. I, psychosis. Me too. Like how convenient. That's not what you can't just. Anyways, <laughs> we're thankful, thankful, thankful that at least they, uh, there will be some peace for the, the parents of these victims and hopefully, um, sway someone who, who is considering doing this in the future yeah. from doing it, well, you know, it, cause it, these people have been through enough pain. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, this is not the only thing that he's done too. I mean, he was, you know, he did Pizzagate, uh, you know, he did so many, he's done so many awful things that he was he on the forefront been. of every fucked up thing. Every yeah. fucked up movement, like a far right movement is definitely led by Alex Jones. And even if he didn't come up with something like he is now the face of everything that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's been banned from pretty much every platform that he could talk on. Yeah, and I have a feeling that, you know, I think his lawyer has said that he's a performance artist. He's not a news person and that's the way he's able to get away with this stuff and I bet they're going to try and do some weird sort of parody thing. Uh, Like, this is what he's doing, parody. Parody law. Interesting. You know, but um, no. No, dude, no. It's not going to work. Not this time, Jones. (laughs) Not this time. Fuck you, Robert Durst. Fuck you, Alex Jones. That's right. Yes. Okay, so I wanted to talk about another cold case that was solved and this one is a 44-year-old cold case and while I was kind of trying to research things that we could talk about on this podcast. I was really trying to find like a BIPOC case, Mm -hmm. an old case that has been cold for so long that was solved this year. Not surprisingly, it was pretty much impossible to find. Like Mm -hmm. 99% of the cases that were solved this year were from young white women for the most part. Mm -hmm. Talking about especially old cold 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 cases cases. that are solved with with DNA. Yeah, like 70s, 80s, of -hmm. course. I mean, that surprises nobody that's listening to any true crime podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did find a case of Alma Jones. And on Christmas Eve of 1977, she was raped and murdered on Sawyer Sawyer Road in South Raleigh. Her case went cold immediately. The identity of her killer remained unknown until this year. And they announced that the 45-year-old case had been solved using DNA evidence from our buddies at Othram, mm-hmm. which wow. I get like every single case that I saw yep. was been has been solved at Othram. And it came about in 2011 when police were transferring boxes of evidence from older cases and they came across her case and started to look into it again. So... It's the case of just like sheer luck, I guess, that the police started giving it a second shot. Mm -hmm. Um, They developed a DNA profile of her killer and identified it as Paul Crowder. He died in 2015, but at least it brings her family a sense of not closure. And you know what? In the same way it's important to like exonerate someone who's already dead, it's fucking good to like condemn someone who's dead. You know, Mm -hmm. like that shame belongs somewhere absolutely in, in history you know yeah. on, on in writing mm-hmm. you know so like you can't just let shit go because somebody's dead yes you know and uh, you know speaking of uh people of color and dna there is a case um called uh, saginaw doe and it's a black male who was found and you know he had gold chains on he, he was wearing nike air tennis shoes and they still don't know who he was when was in when did this Octo- happen? October of 1988 oh, in wow. Saginaw, Michigan. You know, it seems like that should be solvable. Othram took on the case. They did a crowdfunding thing, and uh, me and Paul actually gave a couple grand for it to close up the crowdfunding. So they're working that case right now to find out first who is he, yeah. and second, you know what what might have happened to him. So oh, well, they're, on they're on it. They're on it. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, Othram is fucking killing it. I'm yeah. here for this. No idea until today. Yep. Oh, good shit. Mm-hmm. Really leading the fight. I love it. Well, there's another case that got a solve this year, at least an arrest this year. Uh, There still needs to be a trial. And it's the case of Faith Hedgepeth. Now, Faith was a college student. Um, She was um, uh, Native American. She was going to school at UNC, 
in North Carolina. She lived in an off-campus apartment, and she was found murdered in her bed. We covered, you know, I, I was working the story for a really long time. We did it on Crime Watch. We did a full episode on it. And she was found raped and murdered with a note next to her. And the note said, I'm not stupid bitch, jealous. Oh, I remember this. And it was written on a kind of like a takeout bag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was also a rum bottle there. Um, and there was, you know, uh, there was a lot of just strange clues. She actually called a friend, like butt dialed a friend. And a friend was, we actually got somebody oh, to. Oh, is this with all of the, there was all this audio of the actual murder happening, wasn't there? It, was, I don't, it wasn't of the murder happening. Oh. It sounded like there was a fight in a bathroom at a club. Okay. And we got an audio guy to actually go through it and try to figure out. And you hear different things here or there about what she's saying. And you heard her say the, the nickname of her, um, of her roommate and, and all of this other stuff that was going on. This was a case that, um, you know, the family was just so incredibly sweet. Uh, they were always, you know, there was DNA uh, from semen taken at the scene. Um, her body was cut and bruised. You know, they had this voicemail, and actually, the the, the person who got the voicemail, it, I think, is a listener, and she actually just reached out like a couple of weeks ago. You mean got us. the voicemail? Like she was the, the recipient received the voicemail, okay, and, she, and she was lucky enough to actually keep it. Oh wow! So they gave the um, the DNA to Parabon Nanolabs. Now Parabon's the company, and we've been talking about Authram a lot. Parabon's the company that did all of the solves right after GSK, mm-hmm. and Parabon was doing this. Uh, phenotyping where they would make a picture of what this guy might look like. Mm -hmm. And uh, that didn't get anywhere. um, But, you know, it gave maybe a a rough idea of what what this guy could have looked like. Then, um, you know, early this year, what happened is they actually, actually later this year, but this year on September 16th, the Chapel Hill Police Department arrested Miguel Salguero Oliveras, who's 28, he was of Durham, for the murder of Faith Hedgepeth. He was not a suspect originally, but again, he had his DNA because he had been arrested on a drunk driving charge hmm. the, the previous month. So this wasn't even something that was genetic genealogy. It was just a lot of times you just have to wait for the wait for, for somebody to mess up again and then put their DNA in the system and right. then it goes through there. So wow. we still don't know what the connection was between him and her. Uh, sometimes whether this was none. random, sometimes, sometimes there's someone none. someone just fucking sees you and is like, Gotta have it. Yeah. yeah. It's that's the scariest fucking that's the scariest prospect, you yeah. know? Because yeah. you can't control it. Yeah. Um that, you know, initially the police said that the that they don't they didn't think it was a crime of opportunity by a stranger. They thought it was somebody within her social group. Well, there, especially with the note and stuff, it seems so personal. There, there was the note, the butt dial showed sort of a lot of conflict. Yeah. There was conflict with uh, the boyfriend ex boyfriends and it, there was a lot of stuff that was going on. There was a lot of there was a cast of characters there. And we still don't know what happened. You know, we still yeah. don't know exactly, you know, what this guy's relationship was, if he knew those other people or something like that. But at least we finally have a guy behind bars. Wow. Great news. Great news. Be thankful. All right. Well, uh, now we're going to hand the mic over to our lovely listeners because we told you to call us and tell us what you are thankful for in your own lives and the true crime world and everything in between. So we got some really nice ones. I know. So we're excited. So you, you shouldn't turn off the show now. Like there's some really good ones. There's some funny ones. You'll laugh. You'll cry. There's about 15 minutes of it. Yeah. Don't stop now. We love our firsties. We love them. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers. Oh, we're doing this. Keep (laughs) your friends close. But But not not that that close. close. Sorry, I stole Billy's line. But (laughs) it's fucking Thanksgiving, bitch. Hi, it's Rachel calling. Rachel from the Stalker's web project and I just wanted to thank you guys um, for giving me an opportunity to tell my story. I'm so grateful to know you and so grateful to have had an opportunity to work with you guys and it was such a positive um, experience for me and I hope uh, I hope we had an opportunity um, to help some people in the in the you know in in the process um, Happy Thanksgiving, and I am just so grateful for you and all the firsties. Thanks. Bye. Hi, my name is Allison, and I just want to say this year I am so thankful 
for Jack and Jerry finally getting engaged. It makes me so happy just to see other people happy. Um, I follow all of you all on Instagram, and it just does my heart good to see that there's true happiness happening in the world. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. This is Kira Pearson. Um, I am super thankful for this podcast, and specifically you, Billy. Um, you've really changed my life, and after meeting you and reading your book, um, I decided to make my own missing persons organization, and we've had it for a year, and we've located about 25 people so far, almost 26, um, just waiting on confirmation today. So thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. I feel like the number one thing that we have to be grateful for in the true crime world is genetic genealogy. I feel like it has just been really helpful. And as more and more people put their DNA into GEDmatch, it's going to just take off even more. And I'm so thankful that so many people have gotten answers this year through genetic genealogy. And I hope that the fact that I uploaded mine this year, I uploaded my husband's this year, and I'm encouraging everyone else to upload their DNA results uh, from Ancestry or anywhere else. Just get it uploaded. Help these people out. I think it's fabulous. Thanks for asking what we're thankful for. Hi, my name's Meg. Um, I've been listening to The First Degree for a little over a year and a half now. Um, I started listening to it mid-pandemic, um, and then the summer of last year, my dad got sick with COVID, and I ended up staying with my mom for a while while I was unemployed, and my dad was in the hospital. And honestly, the first degree really just got me through a horrible time of literally waiting for my dad to die because I couldn't go see him. Um, last year, Thanksgiving, the holidays were the first without him, and I think we were all in shock. Um, this year... I think things will be a little more real, but I do have to say through all of that time, the first degree, the Facebook group has been such a, a reliever for me, and I'm really thankful for this podcast, for what you represent, and for the people, the community that I've found around it. So that's what I wanted to say I'm thankful for. Hi, best friends. So yesterday, my divorce was finalized, and I'm grateful that for the first time in 14 years, I can enjoy my Thanksgiving without having every part of it poisoned by a malignant narcissist. That is hard to say with Invisalign. Anyways, this year, I'm super thankful for my autonomy and for you all, of course. Hi, uh, this is K.L. Creighton from the Facebook group First Be Here. My name is actually Karen, uh, but I fucking hate my name. So, obviously, Karen, uh, I don't use that on Facebook. Anyway, um, I wanted to call and tell you that my the thing I am most thankful for this year on Thanksgiving um, is the fact that my seven-year-old son was able to get COVID vaccine. Um, my child asked for it for his birthday in October, so you can imagine how that made me feel. <laughs> My son is more mature than some grown-ups. Anyhow, um, the case that I wanted to say that I was grateful for that was um, solved, I guess, um, or justice was served, was the case where um, Derek Chauvin, that piece-of-shit police officer, uh, the one who murdered uh, George Floyd, was actually convicted. Um, thank God uh, there was not a miscarriage of justice there. Oh, my favorite side is high because I, I don't like that money side for Thanksgiving. So it's a pumpkin pie or just the turkey. That's it. I love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Sorry for the rambling. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving, Jack, Alexis, and Billy. My name is Erica. I'm a longtime listener of the podcast, and I saw Alexis's post in our group. So thankful for that community that you guys have built. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for the roof over my head. And most importantly, I am thankful for the, the first degree podcast. You guys are my sanity a lot of the time. So please don't ever leave me. I hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And thank you for doing all that you guys do in the true crime community. You guys are so loved. And your firsties are so thankful. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. 
Uh, this is Rachel Crow again um, from Richmond, Virginia, and I wanted to add that uh, this year I am thankful for decisions uh, such as the posthumous uh, exoneration of the Groveland Four in Florida. Um, they were two or four black men that were uh, convicted of, you know, rape. Um, against a, a white woman, and they were um, posthumously exonerated uh, this year because they were found um, not to be guilty of those crimes. And then there was a similar case in uh, Richmond, Virginia, where I live, where um, some people that were, you know, wrongfully convicted of a Jim Crow era type crime were also um, exonerated, and their families got to. Uh, I guess feel the the weight of that. So um, I am thankful for that as well, uh, especially given the kind of you know tension that we have had in the past like years. Hi guys, this is Jess from the Cement and Minicot episodes. Um, I just wanted to call in and. Let you guys know what I'm thankful for. Um, I'm actually thankful because my birthday is actually on Thanksgiving this year. So I'm turning 46 on Thursday. Um, what else am I thankful for? Uh, well, I'm thankful because I just got divorced in August. So I'm thankful that I don't have a crazy conservative husband anymore. Yay! And I'm thankful for my murder van. I'm thankful for grunge music. I'm thankful for my new Dot Martens that I just got last month. Um, I'm thankful that my dad is okay after his heart attack that he just had a few months ago. Um, I'm thankful for you guys because you're so kick-ass. Um, I'm thankful that I get to take the week off just and spend it with my kid in Lexington, Kentucky this week. Um, and I am thankful for nachos because they're awesome. Um, and uh, I think that's it for now. So uh, I love you guys. Um, Alexis, you're my down girl. Uh, I love you. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.